Good morning. Well, it'll probably be morning for most of you, but welcome to the JMU Sports Blog Podcast. I'm joined by my co-host, Rob. Hey, hey Todd. Rob. How you doing? All right. How about you? I'm hanging in there. All right. Well, we might get this posted tonight. We're recording this on Monday night. A week Game week. We finally made it to a game week. East Carolina coming up on Saturday. And we're doing a special edition this week. Of This is our season preview for the football team. So we'll go a little bit through. We'll try to go a little deeper than we usually do about some things we're looking forward to on the season, but not keep you too long. A um, couple of things we did want to point out. We're going to try to do a podcast. I think we've been talking about trying to do one after most games this season. I think that's what we were thinking, right, Rob? Yeah, definitely. Just like, a, I don't know, either that night or, or the next morning, kind of quick reaction sort of thing. Exactly. Um, you know, if we're both going to the game it's or one of us is going to the game, it'll be hard to do it on the night. But we'll try to do it on have it up by Sunday or Monday uh, most of the time this season. I think we'll stick with our previews on the blog. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, include our good old-fashioned beer of the week and do a little written work on Fridays like usual. So without further ado, um, we're going to cover some the JMU position groups. We should give a, a very special shout-out to Chase Kitty. And his, his own personal site is uh, chaseforgreatness.com. Chase is a guy we've met over the years. He used to write for the Breeze. Uh, he roots hard <laughs> and has does a lot of good work with the team. And, and he put out a great preview. If anybody's looking for something to really deep dive on this stuff, even deeper than we'll get tonight, uh, again, chaseforgreatness.com. Chase's site is has a great preview of all the position groups and pretty much every game this season. Um, and we're he's going to be uh, covering the covering JMU for Hero Sports too. He he's is a special JMU correspondent. So that's. Good for him and good for JMU fans. Get Definitely. Yeah, Hero Sports has done some great work with FCS the last couple of years. Uh, and we're looking forward to Chase covering the Dukes specifically for them. So, And then the last uh, special announcement before we get started is Rob and I are going to do our first guest appearance on another podcast uh, this week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one that pr- we, we, we presume is much bigger than us. Um, we'll be on the Mr. Irrelevant podcast a little later in the week, probably Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, Mr. Relevance, a site run by the, the Brothers Matram that uh, covers all kinds of DC sports. Uh, but our our old friend and colleague Jamie is a JMU alum like we are, and was excited to uh, donate, sort of sacrifice his podcast for a day to talk about JMU. So look for that later in the week. You can find Mr. Relevant in the iTunes Store as well, and on Bumpers. It's the same app we use. Um, you can follow us in either place. So with that said, uh, here we go. Rob, do you want to take the quarterback position first? Oh, quarterback. I, I didn't even, I didn't do any research. Um, okay. I'm, I'm quite okay. I'm very comfortable with, with the situation. Good. I think this shore guy could work out all right. He might. Um, he had a decent year last year. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he, he seems like he's a guy who might be a, a good leader, as they say. Um, now, I, I really, I, I'm a big fan of Shores. I, I always have been optimistic on him. I know you and I were, it's not like we called this or anything, but I think we were a little bit higher on him coming out of the situation where he was relieving Bad Lee um, sure. than some others. Mm-hmm. What, are you, what are they, like crickets on that? What, what is that? You got a whiteboard? <laughs> I was actually watering a plant there. Sorry, oh, everybody. Okay. <laughs> I feel like taking that, like going to Gruden camp and yep. quizzing me on some formations. No, I, I think Shore is obviously great. Um, I don't want to think about, you know, an injury, God forbid, you know, knock mm-hmm. on wood. But Cole Johnson uh, last year, mm-hmm. you know, he, he definitely was raw, but he stepped in and got that kind of big game experience and survived it. 
Yeah. Um, actually played quite well at the home game. What was it against? Uh, so Elon at the end of the year, Elon. Right? I, yeah. I don't know. Some, it was some blowout. It was right. like 50 points. Right. But he did look good. He, he made the throws he needed to make. Um, and did what he needed to do up at Villanova when the, the day that Shore got hurt on probably JMU's, you know, one of their toughest, toughest games game. of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess the big thing for Shore is is can he repeat? And then he starts to be elevated. You know, if he matches last season, we start to look at him as pretty much the top JMU quarterback of all time. But yeah, we had some fun. Yeah, we had some fun um, sort of getting into it with people on Twitter last week about who is the greatest JMU quarterback of all time. Uh, I think we both thought, you know, Shore's ascendant right now, but not quite there for us. Yeah, not quite there. So yeah. no, I, I'm I'm very confident. I mean, he's yeah, he's a great guy to to um, root for, and supposedly an even better guy to play with. So. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Cole Johnson. I think athletically, coaches have been thrilled. You know, super high on everybody that watches the team closely. Uh, wouldn't mind him playing some this year. He's certainly going to play. We hope some in a lot of the blowout games to come this year. Certainly the East Tennessee State, Norfolk State run of games at the beginning of the season. Um, and as far as Shore goes, uh, the one thing I thought just getting ready for this that was really funny is he might. You know, even this weekend at East Carolina. You know, you listen a little bit to East Carolina's coach Montgomery. Um, sure, might be the best player on the field for either team this week, which is oh, yeah. <laughs> right really rare in a big in a game like this for Jamie. Yeah, yeah no, he, he's a talented talented mm-hmm. kid. Um, just really has complete control of the offense and the team. So yeah, uh, I'm I'm excited we get to watch him for another year. Cool. Um, my the position that's near and dear to my heart is a wide receiver, and that's our next group. Um, Three big losses at the receiver position from last year. Uh, Rashard Davis, who was a great wide receiver, also a huge star for us in the return game last year. Brandon Ravenel, senior, had been with the program for a long time. Really was just Mr. Consistent for four years, uh, just as good as JMU has seen day in and day out uh, for so long. And then Damo Taylor was really a, you know, just a huge guy at the FCS level. Uh, enormous kid playing receiver and made a lot of big plays for JMU, tough catches, and seemed to step up in their big games. I mean, made some big catches in the playoff run, probably was one of the real stars at the North Carolina game last year uh, down here. And they're certainly going to miss those three. Uh, That said, there's quite a bit coming back. Uh, John Miller, who was kind of like Rashard Davis light last year, We'll be back this year, um, probably taking over the primary return duties, at least in the punt game, and probably doing a lot of, hopefully doing a whole lot more of what we saw at the end of the season. He caught maybe the biggest ball of the year, the touchdown to push the lead to 10 against North Dakota State. Yeah, and the North Dakota State game, right? And a guy who certainly, at least on paper, looks like he can fill in really well for Rashard Davis. He also took a punt back last year at some point in one of the blowouts. Ish Hyman, who's been with the program quite a while, a guy we really like. Um, for, been fortunate to meet a, some of his extended family at games over the last couple of years. Um, so he'll be taking over the Damo Taylor role, another big, tall receiver. Um, should be able to stretch the field quite a bit. Coaches have been really high on him this fall. Um, I know I have high, high hopes for Hyman this year. Um, and so those guys will probably be the primary guys. And then, of course, we have Jonathan Klusterman coming back. Unfortunately, Jonathan will not be joining the Dukes for the East Carolina game. He is suspended for the first two games of the year at tight end. We'll talk about him in the receiving position group here. 
just because he was such a factor. I think he caught a touchdown in every playoff game last year and was an enormous weapon around the goal line. Um, he'll be replaced in the first couple games by sophomore Nick Carlton. Uh, the coaches have been high on him as well. Um, hopefully he can continue sort of the extended production we've seen from Jamie tight ends the last few years. He will be backed up, notably, by Clayton Cheatham. Clayton Cheatham, um, true freshman, and Dean Cheatham, former JMU tight end's younger brother. So I, I'm sure the coach is a little nervous because I don't know if they were planning on playing Clayton this year or redshirting or what have you. They certainly uh, – but it looks like he's going to have to see the field probably in the first couple games. So that's a big one. And then the last couple in the receiving crew, there's UVA transfer David Eldridge uh, who came in this summer. Um, neither of us, at least I haven't, I don't know anything about him. Certainly am hopeful for a UVA transfer like that. And the guy we're really excited about is a sophomore who, redshirt sophomore, Riley Stapleton, who's another big, tall kid. Um, don't mean to make the uh, one race comparison, but certainly looks a lot like Daniel Brown did when he was a Jamie, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Um, He's gritty. Yeah, 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 right. He's, he's, he's cerebral. <laughs> yeah. right. No, I, I actually think he's a really good athlete from what we've heard. Um, a kid who can really go up and get the ball and is going to get his shots this year. So a little nervous about the receiving position, but hoping that the offense itself will find the space for these guys to make the plays they need to. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually pretty optimistic about Eldridge. Um, I know he didn't see the field much at UVA, but coming out of high school, he was a big recruit. Uh, sounds like he's got some decent speed. I think he could be a big play guy, and I'm hoping that he's playing with a little bit of chip on his shoulder after things didn't work out for him uh, in Charlottesville. So cool. I think we could see some some big plays from him this year. Yeah, that's exciting. Uh, Rob, you want to take running backs? Yeah, well, this <laughs> is this is the the big one. You know, everybody the loss Khalid Abdullah, um, Khalid Abdullah, great player, really lived up to his, his tremendous potential uh, his senior year, particularly in the playoffs, um, was mm-hmm. an absolute beast mm-hmm. down the stretch when Jamie needed him. He's gone. Uh, he's currently in Giants camp. Um, I'm kind of hoping for a miracle and that he somehow <laughs> makes the squad. But regardless, tremendous accomplishment for a guy who I think only had one scholarship coming out of high school. I mean, for the guy to go on, you know, lead the team in rushing, lead him to a national championship, sure. certainly a big loss. Um mm-hmm. I am not worried at all. As <laughs> no. good as he was, I, we are just stacked at this position. I mean, you've got Cardon Johnson, who was, you know, kind of step for step, every bit as good as Abdullah in a lot of games, but missed the entire playoffs with an injury. Uh, he's coming back, and supposedly he's 100% healthy. Mm-hmm. Trey Sharp, Taylor Woods, both excellent backs. Um, saw limited carries last year. It was a crowded backfield, but they'll be back. And then we've got Marcus Marshall. Um, you know, Georgia Tech transfer led Georgia Tech in rushing, I believe, as a freshman. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure they, they wish they still had him since they lost their <laughs> leading rusher last week. Right. Um, he's got, you know, JMU bloodlines. His father's JMU's all-time leading rusher, but he's very good. Um, this is going to be an exciting group. I, I think we could see all four guys, you know, easily go for over 500 yards, and we could see two, two of them go for over 1,000. Yeah, I think, I think so. it's that sort of back. That, that that sort of backfield, um, these guys, it, it's just it's it's a ridiculous amount of weapons we have. It sure is, and it's it's hard to believe. I saw the stat the other day. I don't, I can't think of it exactly, but um, um, pretty sure one of the guys from Hero Sports was talking about how JMU was one of the teams in the nation. I think they were the leading team in the nation in terms of the percentage of their plays that were running plays last year. 
which is surprising when you think there are triple option teams out there and there are, you know, JMU, you think of as this big dynamic offense that goes down the field and they certainly do that, but they really run the ball and there was a lot of carries to go around. When you score 700 points in a season, there's going to be, <laughs> there's going to be opportunities for running backs. And to get them in big chunks in that run pass option. Sure. And the run pass option, you know, you can you can break them off. And these guys, you hit the hole like mm-hmm. Abdullah did or Johnson did or um, Trey Sharp and these guys. You can really, before you know it, you're seven, eight yards down the field before you even hit a tackler. Absolutely. Yeah, so I, I think for sure running back is probably the position we are the least worried about going into this season. And moving on to the last offensive group is probably the group we might be most worried about, and that is up front on the offensive line. Um, JMU returns uh, preseason All-American Aaron Stinney at left tackle no concerns there they return their left guard A.J. Bolden no real concerns there and they return to some extent um, the center who played in the last couple games played quite a bit played a ton up at North Dakota State and then I think played a lot in the championship as well Mac Patrick um, who's a young guy, younger guy but has played really well so it, it goes without saying I think coaches will be preparing, opposing coaches will be preparing for JMU to run to the left side when given yeah. the opportunity this year. Um, but the other side of the line is a lot more of a question mark. Uh, they're bringing in, they'll be playing a young, enormous guard in Garen Butler, um, true man child. I think our uh, buddy coach Cornell will be happy to hear that. Yeah. But yeah, at right guard. But we really hasn't seen the field much in any meaningful action that I'm aware of. And then a real loss for the Dukes, one of the two real tough losses they've had on the injury front in the offseason was Tyree Chavis, who was played right tackle. He struggled a ton, but mostly with mental stuff up at the North Dakota State game. He's the one who had all the offsides penalties up there with the noise. Um, that was his first, his first real start of, you know, in a meaningful game, so hard to blame him there. But came back and played really well against those you know, incredible defensive ends that Youngstown had in the championship. And he got hurt in the preseason this year and will be out for the season. And the Dukes are certainly going to miss him Um, in his place starting this weekend will be Jahi Jackson. Um, Again, another young guy, plenty of talent. Coaches don't seem too worried, seem pretty high on him. But it does make you wonder, depth-wise, you know, you get start to get concerned about this group and just how they'll gel, especially with... Carlton playing a tight end, at least early in the season. So that's a concern. Um, one thing I should point out, we're pretty excited. There's a Fred, there's a true freshman on this team, uh, Liam Fornadel, I think I'm saying that right, who came from Don Bosco Prep, which is, a, I think people up in the Northeast know, is a big football powerhouse and looks like a guy, and from what we've heard this fall, looks like a guy who's going to see the field quite a bit this year. Well, Houston was saying, he's, Houston said, I think last week, He's already decided he's going to be on the two deep and he's going to travel with the team. So that's pretty impressive for, for not only a true freshman, you know, to, to make the two deep, but to do it weeks out from the first game, two weeks out, the coach already making the decision. So yeah. that says a lot about him. Especially at that position at the FCS level. You know, Correct. I mean, we've seen DBs and receivers come in as freshmen and, you know, at all levels, uh, whether it's FBS or FCS or wherever, um, because it's truly about your speed and sort of some of your innate ability. But it's pretty rare when you get a guy who's prepared at the level that JMU's at um, on the offensive line. So excited to see Fornadel uh, get his chance this year. So that just about covers the offense. 
Rob, if you want to start us on the defense, you can take any group you want. Oh, man. Um, I guess I can go D-line. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not a big, like, I'm not going to break down film. You know, I'm not Jaws <laughs> or anything like that. <laughs> but it was pretty obvious last year when the defense really turned the corner, a lot of it was the pass rush finally came around. Um, I think that's going to continue this year. I, I think the D-line has potential to be a real strength of the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andrew Ankara, preseason All-American. Um, the guy that I'm excited about is Simeon Robinson. Me too. I really I really liked him. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't get the hype for some reason. He had a couple monster games last year. And I think, you know, those two guys are going to form quite a one-two punch. They're, they're going to get after the quarterback. Uh, and they're going to have plenty of opportunities to, you know, to have the, a couple of those games that really boost their confidence. Um, heading into CAA play. I think we could see a couple of these, you know, two, three sack games. Um, then we've got, what, what was it, Rondell Carter? Mm-hmm. The transfer, he's, he's from... A transfer from, from Rutgers, mm-hmm. which it actually sounds a lot better if you say the Big Ten transfer. We can leave out the Rutgers <laughs> part. But, but he's been, then, um, how do you, Cornell Urquhart? Urquhart, yeah. Urquhart. He's another good guy. They've got, you know, some real potential there. Um, who did we lose? Like Martez Stone? We who did. I thought was very good. That, yeah. That's a tough loss, but. Teammate of Brian Shores at Lackawanna. I know you're a yeah. big Lackawanna fan there. I know. Yeah. I saw that. that was, um, <laughs> yeah. But I think this this is going to be good. I'm not sure if we've got an Arthur Motes in the bunch, but we've got some guys that can definitely get after the quarterback and wreak some havoc in the backfield. Sure. And actually, Rondell Carter's brother, Darius Carter, um, was a huge factor at the end of the season. Um, yeah. Those last few games in the playoffs. He really, Absolutely. really, really stepped up and excited to see him back in the mix. Um, Rob, I just want to go back to Simeon Robinson. I think both of us, we've sort of, those of us who have followed the program the last few years, he's a guy who's just flashed at times, and we've been so excited. And you know, He's sort of been in and out of the lineup with injuries. Um, not sure whether the injuries caused some fitness concerns the last couple of years at times. But for those of you who were watching the main game last year, um, he just – took that game over single-handedly right just he, he went all reggie white on him yeah, his really... only thing is has been being consistent week to week right you know at his peak he's as good as anybody yeah. um we just need to see him do that week in and week out yeah and i think the coaches have have been really high on him this year it sounds like he's in the best condition of his time at jmu so really excited about that group um i'll go all the way to the defensive backfield um for now one this is a Kind of a question mark. It's kind of funny here. The uh, the two safeties return, Jordan Brown and Raven Green, who got a six-year, got a medical redshirt, got a six-year of eligibility, and Jordan Brown, who will be a senior as well. Those two guys were studs last year in all facets of the game. They're, they're, you know, run support, picking off passes. <laughs> I mean, you can probably pencil in Raven Green for a bunch of big plays off and on this year. You can definitely – Mark it down right now that as long as he's healthy, Jordan Brown is going to be stepping up and making plays over the middle on receivers. He's going to be helping in run support. Those two guys, that's as solid a starting group as you'll see anywhere. Unfortunately, I don't know how much depth there is at the safety position. It looks like true freshman D'Angelo Amos will probably be their backup. Obviously, we don't know anything about him. Uh, We may see him in the punt return game, sort of in um, backing up. Miller, uh, sort of in the role that Miller played to Rashard Davis last year. So he's certainly going to get a chance to make some exciting plays as well. Uh, the cornerback position is one that's a little bit of, I think, a little bit of a concern for this group, especially with uh, 
the high-flying offenses they will face, certainly this weekend with East Carolina and down the road with, with Richmond for sure. And that group, we do return one of Robin I's all-time favorite Dukes, Jimmy Moreland. Can't wait to see him back. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and he, he was – I'm in the bag for Jimmy. He's yeah. one of my favorite players. Uh, but I was really impressed last year. The way he, you know, he just focused on special teams and doing the little things and then worked his way back up. So he was playing corner uh, in the playoffs and doing a great job. Sure I, was. I think it took him a while after a year off, you know, the fitness wasn't there as you'd expect, mm -hmm. but he's just an ultra talented guy who has a ton of fun to watch. Um, yeah. One of our all time has, favorite Mickey recruits. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you talk about big play potential. Huge. Anytime that guy touches the ball yep. or, or gets an interception, he can take it to the house. Mm -hmm. And then they'll be uh, starting Curtis Oliver on the other side. Uh, quite, or excuse me, Rashad Robinson on the other side. Uh, Curtis Oliver will be back to help out on third downs and long distance situations. Uh, Rashad Robinson missed the playoff run last year, but was a starter uh, most of the season last year. So that's certainly exciting. Um, this is another position other than the offensive line injury to Tyree Chavis, though. JMU lost cornerback Charles Tutt to an ACL injury, and he'll be out for the year this year. Uh, Tutt was a guy that had really come on as the season progressed last year, made a lot of big plays, not only on defense, but on special teams as well. And the Dukes are going to miss him. So I think we're just a little concerned about backups there. Um, there's a couple freshmen in the mix that we've heard Coach Houston say will probably not be redshirted if they're needed. Wesley McCormick and Torres Carroll are possibilities at some point. But that's a group that it will, it will be challenged, and it will certainly be challenged in week one. Um, so we'll see what happens in the defensive backfield. Rob, you want to take linebackers to round us out? Yeah, sure. Um, I guess it's good we're ending on this because nearly everybody else on the roster appears to be a linebacker. <laughs> um, what, what are they? They've got like 15, 16 guys. It's a slew. Buying. Yes. It, it's a crazy. Plethora. Yeah, a, a, a plethora. Um, I expect some people to to move around, maybe move some guys to safety. Um, mm -hmm. You know, provide some more depth there. But there's a lot of talent here. It mm -hmm. just really we need to see who's going to step up and and kind of own the positions. Um, particularly with Brandon Hereford being out due to suspension. Yeah. Um, you know, he was I believe the team's second leading tackler last year. Yeah, after Gage Steele, I think. Right. After Gage Steele. So mm -hmm. essentially, you know, you're losing. You lost Gage Steele to graduation. Um, Last year, he finally, you know, lived up to the to the hype that he created for himself with that tremendous freshman year. Um, outstanding player, Hereford was right in there. You know, stepped in to the starting lineup mm -hmm. early due to some injuries and really just kind of owned the position. Played great. Sure He's did. out for the first couple games due to suspension, but we've got a, a ton of depth. Jamie has a ton of depth in this position. Um, Dimitri Holloway. I don't know. Talk about a guy who stepped up in the Fargo Dome. Big time. He just had an absolutely amazing game in a, you know, you don't find a tougher environment or bigger stakes. And he really rose level. Uh, right. Rose he was in. filling in for Hereford when Hereford got suspended. Correct. Right. Yeah. And just played there fantastic. Was, there was no drop off at all. Nope. If anything, it was, you know, maybe even better mm -hmm. than, than we expected. Um, we've got a couple transfers, Landon Ward from UVA and Gus Little from Maryland. Mm -hmm. Uh, Reports are they're going to see the field a lot. Um, we always get excited when you get, you know, another Big Ten transfer. We won't call it Maryland. Um, and an ACC transfer, not, not UVA. But this is one. We, we don't have the depth concerns that we have at some of the other positions. But it's still unclear who's going to really own the starting positions. Um, and where Hereford's going to work himself back into the lineup when he comes back. 
Yeah, it's that's going to be, I think, a, an interesting uh, dynamic with this group because uh, to me, Herford really seemed like possibly the most talented player in the linebacking core last year when he really got going near the end of the season. And, yeah, he was just sideline to sideline. Yeah, and uh, a little bit bigger than I think a lot of the other players there, more in that Gage Steel mold. And it'll be interesting to see when he comes back because there's a lot of guys who are tough players. I mean, we didn't even talk about Kyrie Hawkins or Bryce McGinley. Uh, who will both see the field an awful lot. So certainly in Jamie's front seven, both D-line and linebacker, ton of depth. And hopefully they can just keep turning those guys over and get everybody playing time and keep people fresh and really be able to run, you know, full speed all game long, every game. So then the last position group we'll go to is the uh, special teams or the specialists. Uh, we return Tyler Gray at um, place kicker this year. Tyler was a guy who did not, you know, made a, Made a lot of kicks last year, but wasn't asked to do much more than kick extra points and short field goals until probably, arguably the most important play of JMU's entire season last year. The 45-yard kick that he made after a bunch of penalties back and forth in the Fargo Dome to give JMU back the lead after they had given up the 17-0 lead in a a tie game. I think we were all on pins and needles at that point. And when he hit that kick, I... I don't know how you felt, Rob. I mean, that was just an enormous confidence boost at the time. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was the first time I, I took a breath in, yeah. in minutes. Yeah. You know, the, the boat was definitely taken on water at that point. Things mm-hmm. were not looking good. Um, that was not an easy kick. No, not at all. Not in that environment, not under the circumstances. There had been a couple penalties. So there, I don't think there had been a live play in four or five, you know, real minutes at that point. That was an enormous kick. Um, I did have the chance to run into... Tyler's mother last year in the concession line had a game at Bridgeforth down the stretch of the season might have even been in the playoffs and uh somebody said oh you know this is the Jamie sports Vlog guy and she was like you guys are killing us on the kicker like lay off <laughs> and, uh, she couldn't have been nicer but um we have high hopes for Tyler he certainly has shown that he has the leg to be everything that Jamie needs at the place kicking position I think at the FCS level you know anything from 40 yards in is what you're looking for consistently with the ability to hit a couple longer kicks when you really need one. Um, so hopefully Tyler just is, is more confident than ever. And we'll see him back this year uh, in that role. Um, Jamie has a new, we have an Aussie punter, a true freshman, uh, Harry O'Kelly. Uh, we're not going to go too far into this, but I have a feeling we have a feeling that Jamie fans hopefully are going to come to love this guy. Um, he may be a little bit of a folk hero after this weekend. We'll see if there's any unique punting play calls uh, going with JMU, but we're excited for the Aussie. It looks like he'll be moving from Aussie rules football to American football and hopefully doing just fine. Yeah. How does that even happen? How do you even recruit a guy from I, Australia? I have no idea. And I don't know if he's on scholarship or not. I don't know what the story is. Um, yeah, I really have no idea how you, how you find that guy. I mean, I guess it's one thing if you're USC or Washington or Hawaii or something, and you sort of have a little bit of a pipeline of that kind of a thing, but certainly at James Madison, I, I can't think of another guy we've had from, um, no, from, from down on str- come no. and join the team, but I, or join the school, join the school at all. Right. So, yeah. Uh, it's certainly possible. This guy may may take on some folk hero status if he gets the job done punting. 
Uh, and then the last thing I, th- I think we said, John Miller will probably be returning kicks uh, for the time being. Pretty excited. I think the other, we may see Marcus Marshall on kickoff return as well, uh, the running back transfer. So that he could be really exciting in that part of the part of the game as well. So I think that about covers all of our position groups. We'll see what happens. We'll cross our fingers at DB and offensive line. I think everywhere else we're pretty pretty excited and certainly we'll be waiting to get back the suspended players. Uh, we didn't talk about Terrence Alls actually at wide receiver. Um, another huge contributor last season who I think he was a Duke transfer and I think fair to say that he probably made some catches that there aren't, I mean, he was an FBS transfer, All right, He, he made some catches that they're just, they're not going to get made by many other FCS level receivers. And it'll be nice to get him back in mid week five, week six, whenever those guys come back. Um, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention Terrence Alls. Uh, he'll be a senior as well. Yeah, so. no doubt. So the next thing we're going to do is, uh, Rob, we're just going to talk about you and I, what our overall outlook, what we would, what we're each thinking on the record, the season-long record for JMU, and what would what we would consider a successful season for the Dukes this year. We talked about going game by game uh, through the season, but let's be honest, um, <laughs> six or seven of these games, JMU is going to win by a lot. <laughs> I don't know what else to say about it. Uh-huh. Yeah, right. We don't need to get no. We don't get too deep into it, right? It's it's not that it's not going to be a big mystery when Jamie's playing East Tennessee State or Norfolk State or even Elon or Rhode Island. But the big games, obviously, with East Carolina, Jamie does host the three heavies in the conference at home this year. They went on the road for all those tough games last year. They host Villanova. They host Richmond. And they host New Hampshire, right? I believe so. Yeah, I think they have all three of those games at home. So those are the other three ranked teams in the CAA to start the season. So that certainly helps. But I think those that set of games plus a few others are are pretty will be the tougher part of the schedule. Rob, what do you think overall? What would you consider a successful season? Um, I mean, I'd love to say run it back and go undefeated, but I I don't know. I mean, last year they caught a lot of Caught some breaks. I mean, they definitely earned the, the FCS undefeated thing. I don't see that happening this year. I don't know. I just feel like they'll get tripped up at least once. Um, who knows what's happening this weekend? Uh, I think nine and two would be outstanding the regular season, mm-hmm. um, provided it's not like a complete loser of a loss. I don't want to get upset by one of the lesser teams, but I think nine two. Um, I'd be happy with, and then a good playoff seed. Yep. Um, I think the ceiling is, is is above that, but I'd be happy. Oh, I'd be happy with just the playoffs, and then we'll see what we do when we get there. But I'm thinking we're looking at, at maybe a loss this weekend, and then maybe get tripped up once along the way uh, in the regular season. Yeah, I think we're pretty close. I, I think for me, I, I I do think the ceiling is. I mean, I think the ceiling is 15 and 0. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Um, there's there's nobody on the schedule that that I'm, you know, certain is a loss out there, but I feel pretty close to you. And I think the difference between, I think if I had to, if you, you know, force me to say one, a number now, I'd say nine and two as well. I do think there's a huge difference between nine and two and 10 and one for this team, Uh, wherever that one might come, Uh, whether it's this weekend or even if they lost one, you know, they have eight CAA games 
And if you go seven and one, you're probably going to win the conference. And I think it's going to take winning the conference to get a top four seed in the FCS playoffs, which would guarantee you, you know, home field for quite a while in the playoffs. And so that's, that's, I think for me, the, the goal, I don't know if I'm hesitant to say 10 and one right out of the gate. Cause I feel like you, I feel like this weekend, especially with breaking in some new players with some suspensions, you know, I, I think Mike Houston talked Just about this the first week. game. Sure. And he talked about this week, the difference between 85 scholarships and 63 scholarships is big enough. But when you also have another, you know, you, two of those scholarships are for JMU are out injured for the season and another five or six are suspended this weekend. That's you're dipping down to some pretty thin NFL roster numbers there. Yeah. You know, against a, a big a team that has 75 guys coming out on for sure ready to play on on full scholarship so and a team that's not going to overlook jamie we're we're not going to catch them jamie isn't going to catch them sleeping um this this ecu team is probably taking jamie about as seriously as any fbs team yeah it's funny Uh, jamie's played in years sure and you know i've lived down here and know a lot of east carolina folks and it's pretty funny this game jamie i think it's off the board now for whatever reason but this game, JMU, opened as a favorite and appears to be the favorite in the game, and it certainly wouldn't surprise anyone for JMU to win. But I can tell you, this game is a much, much more important game for East Carolina than it is for JMU, which is an odd thing. Uh, East Carolina plays a couple of pretty heavyweight out-of-conference games after JMU. Uh, they're, it, in other words, the, the, the people I talk to down here say, if East Carolina loses to JMU, they could easily go 0-4 to start the season. And that's pretty much a train wreck for a team coming off a 3-9 season and a second-year head coach. So this is, I mean, they are going to be up for this game. I, I don't have any doubt about that. And I think that it's incredibly important to their season. Um, they, they, they just, their schedule is brutal after, I mean, including JMU, but their first, their opening schedule is rough. And they will certainly be ready to go. But in Shore, we trust. In Houston, we trust. We'll see what happens this weekend. Um, the next thing we were going to talk about, or the kind of last football-related thing, Rob, who do you think, putting aside JMU, who I think is the clear-cut favorite, more so than maybe any team in the CAA in quite a few years, um, is a clear-cut favorite in the league? I, don't, I think if you asked any coach in the league, who do you think is going to win this? You know, who's most likely? Every single one of them would say Madison. But who are the other big contenders in the CAA this year? Well, clearly it's Richmond. Um, and I think Richmond has shown the past couple of years they can go toe-to-toe with JMU mm-hmm. and, and, you know, take the punches and dish them boo, out. And, boo. No, <laughs> hey, I can't stand them either, obviously. Know, um, but Richmond's problem is they just flat-out fall asleep some weeks. You know, they play to the level of the competition. If they can eliminate that, they're a threat to go – you know, 10 and one, nine and two, 11 and 0. They're that good with it. We'll see how the letter um, comes, comes yep. back from the mm-hmm. ACL and we'll see how who's been the new coach does. But I, I think they're a very dangerous team. They always are, but particularly this year, um, you know, they were playing with a backup quarterback and still won a couple of playoff games last year sure before did. getting blown out. But, they're unfortunately um, a very solid program that is going to be up for the JMU game. 
Yeah. And um, they, I mean, Jamie beat them, what, 44 40 or something like that down there? I mean, it was yeah. an absolute shootout that Jamie had to come back to win at the end. And it was the opposite the year before. It's right. got a weird history with this series with yep. the visiting team doing very well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't know. They're, they're definitely a contender. Yep. As much as I hate to say that. Yeah. It's funny, like revisionist history, you know, last year coming into the year, you know, were it not for the year that Brian Shore and the Dukes had last year, uh, Laletta, Richmond's quarterback, would probably be, you know, and, and his own injury, you know, he'd be the one that was on sort of the national list. I'm sure he is actually on the lists this year, but for national player of the year type things. Whereas, you know, Shore has become, you know, developed last year into the real bell cow for the conference. But I don't think there's any doubt that as far as quarterback play goes, at least in leadership goes, he would be right behind Shore in the league. So, oh, and last year going into the season, there were a lot of people that thought a team from the CAA was going to be the one to knock off North Dakota State. They just all thought it was going to be Richmond. Yeah. Yep. You know, weren't they? They were ranked number two? or I Yeah, and they, they had a bunch of injuries and... down the stretch. I mean, they really – their playoff run was, was not what it could have been. Um, when they played JMU, they were probably at their peak, and they showed it, and everything after that was kind of downhill for them just in terms of the season kind of unraveling. And as you said, JMU had a lot of good luck in that way, at least until the suspensions in the playoffs. Uh, but yeah, uh, Richmond's right there. I think Villanova is the other team. It, it, I'll say that. I think we both talked about this. It would surprise us if anyone outside of JMU, Richmond, or Villanova won the conference. That doesn't mean that somebody else might not have a great year and be in the mix at some point. But Villanova would be the other team just – Brutal defensive team. Uh, really, really tough group. Their long, long, long time coach, Andy Talley, retired at the end of last season. And one of his longtime assistants will be taking over for Villanova. But I don't expect a lot of, really don't expect a lot of change. I mean, Villanova will be what they are. Just a hard-nosed team. That'll probably be Jamie's lowest scoring game of the year. It's certainly not going to be East Carolina. <laughs> is there anybody else outside of those three, Rob, that you think is kind of a dark horse this year uh, to really contend in the conference or, or cause people problems? Well, the thing about the CAA is you can not really be in that contender for the conference title mm-hmm. discussion, but still definitely be in the running for the playoffs. Yes. Um, and I think that's what we're talking about once we get outside of those three teams. Mm-hmm. New Hampshire, whatever. I mean, 13 years in a row. Every time I think that they're, they're out, you know, they jump right back in it. They're just a picture of consistency in terms of getting to the playoffs. Sure. They usually don't make a lot of noise when they're there, but they, they do a lot with what they have. They'll be in the mix just because they always are. Mm-hmm. Stony Brook is the team that I think could sneak up and, and maybe snag one of the final playoff bids from the CAA. Um, if you remember, they started off pretty well last year. Then I think they hit like a four-game skid, but – They've got a very talented running back, Stacy Bedell, who was committed <laughs> to like every other team in the conference, <laughs> including um, JMU. Including JMU, I think it was Villanova, JMU. Then he ended up at UMass, like UMass's transition year. Um, then he transferred to Stony Brook. But he's really good. That that guy's the real deal. And they bring back almost everybody. I think they bring back nine starters on each side of the ball. 
Mm-hmm. Um, they've got a pretty favorable schedule in that they avoid JMU. <laughs> um, they've got that Maine game. They drew the awful, you know, last week of the season at Maine, Ooh, which is never easy. Never you fun. don't want to be. You don't want to be up there. <laughs> you don't want to be in Orono, Maine, in mid November. In, in mid November. <laughs> right. um, and they've got to go on the road to Richmond. But I think that's the team. You know, if they if they get in that seven four eight and three discussion, I think they could could snag a playoff bid. Yeah, I, th- I think um, Albany is somewhat similar to, to them. They've sort of consist, you know, they just slowly but surely made their way in the conference since Albany and Stony Brook joined the CAA football conference. And Albany was definitely on the bubble last year. Yeah, I think, I think they, they were, were seven the first, and four. First four out. Yeah. Right. And they also missed JMU this year, which is a boon to the Great Danes. So that's another team to look out for. And then I think the team I'm most intrigued by is Delaware. I, with Rocco? With Rocco, yeah, the Richmond coach, who, uh, as Rob noted a couple weeks ago, once gave a game ball to himself yes. <laughs> after a game, which has to be the all-time douchiest move <laughs> ever. Ever. I, had, I mean, uh, he, and for him, and he, he's got a lot of them. He's a heck of a coach, but he's an odd fellow. He, he sure is. I, I Really, there's no words. But I, I will say this. I mean, Delaware has been... They have been in the wilderness for a couple of years in terms of coaching and organization and stuff, but they always have talent. You know, they recruit um, the leftovers from Penn State, Maryland, that area, right? And they, you know, have a an, a passionate fan base, if a little bit on the elderly side, geriatric geriatric fan base, yes, but. Uh, but I think we, you know, even last, even the last couple of years when they've, you know, their record has been horrendous. Last year they were four and seven, but the talent has been there. You know, I mean, they've, you can see it on the field, just the eye test. They've been there. They just have no idea what they're doing in a, in a big game. Um, and I think Rocco, for all of our giving him a hard time, should bring them some stability that will be what they've been missing for four or five years. And They'll, they'll be an interesting team. I mean, if anybody's going to make a big jump this year in the conference, I think Delaware is probably probably the team to come back to the near closer to the top of the conference. Yeah, and the other thing, when you bottom out like that, sometimes it's like a rebuild in pro sports where you just go young. So they've got a lot of young players that were able to get playing time, and they're bringing back I think eighteen starters uh, mm. from a team that was you know four and seven is not a great year, particularly by Delaware standards. But they've got a lot of guys who've had a lot of reps and, and you, like you said, have plenty of talent. Rocco, while he is a you know, <laughs> right. character, as we mentioned, the guy can coach. He's yes. done well everywhere uh, he's been, and I expect that trend to continue. So I'm not sure if it'll be the playoffs this year, but they're going to beat somebody good. And, and then from there, you, you never know. I clearly think 500 is, is within range for them mm-hmm. and maybe better if they get on a hot streak. So yeah. Um, if not this year, they'll, they'll be back next year, if not this year. Yep. And that, uh, with that, that's pretty much the end of our CAA preview. I think we both are, uh, we would both, I think it's fair to say, Rob, that we would both pick JMU to win the conference oh, yeah. this year, right? Well, I, I we, would every year because I'm a di- homer, but this year I actually mean it. Disappointed otherwise. Yeah. yeah. I think we'd, I, I mean, for me, I know that anything short of a top eight seed in the playoffs would probably be, be somewhat disappointing. Uh, that's pretty pretty lofty expectations, but when you win the championship, they are earned, and you bring back the players that Jamie's bringing back. That's comes with the territory. 
Uh, I think a top four seed is certainly the goal at this point. So yeah, and not only the players, and Houston gets yeah. a ton of credit, deservedly sure. so. Um, he put together a coaching staff that is just ridiculous at yeah. the SS level. I mean, Paul uh, Powell and Steinspring, and then even yeah. Dudzik appears to be you know a coach on the rise. He did a great job with the receivers. Yeah, um, and I'm really around. excited to see the second year of Bob Trot's defense. Yeah, you know, I mean, we saw what happened with JMU in the playoffs and down the stretch of the season where they finally morphed out of the Everett Withers party in the end zone, both end zones yeah. <laughs> group into the, you know, it's something completely different. I, I really, yeah. you know, not, I mean, yes, we can score 50 points, but they can also be pretty rugged on defense and it'll be, it should be a lot of fun to watch the defense maybe be a more disruptive force than we've seen at JMU since in quite a while. Right. Yeah. I mean, and then Donnie's offense, geez. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we, Jamie will figure it out on offense as long as the O line gels at some point. I think they'll figure it out. But the defense is what carried them in the playoffs in a different way than we'd seen in a long time, and hopefully that'll be the same. And then as we finish tonight's pod, we wanted to we're going to start a new little thing at the very end of each pod. We're going to do something off topic very briefly to (laughs) see who's still listening. If anybody's interested in these kind of things. Rob, this week we're going to talk about what is your what book did you read this summer that was your favorite? Um, this was I, I read a bunch of books. I, I went on a nice long trip this summer, um, <laughs> and I tend to read in big bunches on vacation, mm-hmm. um, planes and everything. So I, I read a ton. Um, I picked up a book just randomly at the library. I was looking for a Wiley Cash book. Didn't find it. Yeah, you know, enjoyed everything I've written I've read by him. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those, like, if you like that, you might like this. Type mm-hmm. thing. And I picked up a book called Crooked Letter, Crooked Letter by Tom Franklin. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if you've ever read this. He's no. a guy, I'd definitely recommend it. Um, he's a guy who grew up in Alabama, kind of has that very southern kind of mystique to him. Um, the book is is pretty neat. You know, it's a mystery and then it involves a small town and race relations and a lot like a Wiley Cash book. But mm-hmm. I always tell people... Uh, if you like Dennis Lehane, mm-hmm. kind of Mystic River or anything, oh yeah, it's it's like a Southern Dennis Lehane. You know, you've kind of got this cool. little bit of a mystery and going on, but then it's woven in with the whole cultural and you know the the, the role the church plays, and um, it's a cool book. If you like Wiley Cash and you like yep. Dennis Lehane, kind of a combo of the two. I would cool. definitely recommend it. I just wrote that down. I like that. Yeah. Um, the one for me this summer, I guess it actually goes back to the spring or so, but I. Read this in is long and it is dense, but a brief history of seven killings by Marlon James. It is a book that is it's a fictionalized recollection of the attempted assassination of Bob Marley in Jamaica, and oh, cool. what happens to the guys who were a part of that. That is a mystery that has never been solved. And Marlon James is the first Jamaican author to win the Man Booker Prize, which is sort of England's equivalent of a. I don't know, I guess some kind of a Pulitzer or something for fiction. And it's the first time they, former British colonies are eligible for the Man Booker Prize. And uh, Jamaica has never, has never had an author win the prize. I think he won it in 2016. So the book's about a year and a half old, but it's really cool. If you're a, I think if you're someone who, if you like Scarface, this is one. Yeah. It ultimately goes through, it's, you know, starts back in sort of around 1980 and, 
goes all the way through the rise of the drug trade in America, uh, all the way into the, kind of the late nineties. Um, it is tough to read, but really, really good. And, uh, love that book. <laughs> cool. A little bit. I will check yeah. that out. Cool. So with that, I think that wraps up our JMU sports blog season preview. Uh, check us out. You can subscribe to us in the iTunes podcast store. You can subscribe to us on bumpers and look for us on the Mr. Irrelevant podcast a little later this week. You can subscribe there as well. All right, man. You have a good one. You too. Go Dukes. See you. See you.